Option five. It's not how it goes. <laughs> That's just, I didn't do that right. It's not, uh, um, if you, have you watched the um, Designers Discuss? Do, 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 designers, designers Discuss. It's one of my favorite jingles for our YouTube channel. Um, oh, of course. I might be the only one that has a jingle. I don't really know that the other. It is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, it's our favorite. It is definitively. Um, well, welcome back, Daniel Inhart, to another episode of Option 5. We are here again, remote. Mm. Uh, we're not live streaming this time. There's just some challenges with live streaming. There stream. are. We'll some figure things, it out, though. There's some things that we got to learn, but, um, you know, watch your channels, subscribe. Uh I am always confident in your technical acumen and your ability to figure it out. So I believe in you. Well, if I'm nothing, I am persistent. So, <laughs> um, and that, my friend, is a good thing. It just gets you some places in life. Which it does. It primarily, does. it gets you into a, a dark hole of figuring out why YouTube live streaming won't play well with restreaming.io. Or to a place where people are like, go away. <laughs> What's so funny about that is that my my kiddos, I love them. I love my kids to death. But <laughs> the ones that are the most persistent drive mm -hmm. me the most crazy because I'm like, I know your game. Yeah. That's my game. That's my game. You can't take my game. No. And um, I feel bad because then I realize I'm, I'm just, I'm really being not nice to my kids <laughs> purely because I'm just like, you can't, you can't do that to me that I, I wrote that book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so persistence, I'll figure it out. It pays off the, the, um, I'm pretty sure our team would rather me not figure it out because it'd make it a little bit easier so they don't have to deal with us live streaming, but you know what? <laughs> it's all good. It's all and, good. You know, it's fine. It's fine. I, I appreciate it and we'll work through it and then, um, we'll get, We'll get to the other side, which in our last episode, we talked a little bit about that. What will, mm. what will it look like? What will our future selves look back at us now and say, I'm so glad you had that conversation. I'm so glad you did that thing then mm -hmm. because that defined who you would be today, future self mm -hmm. speaking. Mm -hmm. And I, I really enjoyed that, that mindset of how can teams really be thinking about innovating or maybe carving out a piece of their conversation, a part of their brain or part of their organization to say now is the time um, right. to be innovating but today we want to talk a little bit about <clears throat> perspectives mm -hmm. and i think that one of the challenges is that in a global pandemic in a uh even in your just so weird to just hear that still it's so weird i mean it's like the movie outbreak you know, when you saw it back in 1995 or whenever it was, and it's yeah. like, that'll never happen. And well. it's, it's not as post-apocalyptic as that. that right. Way. But there is this element of like, we had, we knew it could happen, but to, to happen on the scale that it is, we've been, I've been thinking a lot about, I can't see, I mean, that's literally by definition, I don't have a perspective and I have to squint my eyes when I say it. I don't have a perspective big enough to understand and grapple mentally with what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, even I was watching a video the other day on YouTube that was talking about um, exponential growth, that the human brain doesn't actually like, um, it doesn't have a good computing power 
to understand what exponential growth actually means or what it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know what that, that line looks like right. <laughs> because it's like, as the line goes up, technically the space is, it's not linear. So like right. the spaces get smaller as mm-hmm. the line accelerates. It's, it, we, can't, we just can't wrap. And that's what's happening worldwide. So right. we, don't, we don't have a perspective. And I think that's true in business as well is that it's really difficult to gain perspective either for ourselves and our organizations or with our customers or our clients or our supply chains or whatever that might be mm-hmm. um, to know how to, to serve them well, how to support them, and how to think about what problems need to be solved right now. Right. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about perspectives. Yeah. So I think today we want to cover a couple different things. One is taking inventory and we'll kind of go into that a little bit. And what does taking inventory lead to? And for us, it leads to this idea of perspective. Now, I mean, just from a definition standpoint, perspective means basically your point of view. Yep. You know, if you're, if you're standing up on, you know, a cliff and you can see around, you know, maybe around the bend a little bit, but then you know that the river keeps going this way. It also keeps going that way. Your perspective is limited. I'm so curious what you were, like where you were <laughs> in your mind. Were you like on some, like in Ireland and there was, I was like- Brooke. I actually, I was more like Grand Canyon-ish. Oh, okay. A little more dry. Arid. Yeah, I was, I was more in an arid place. Okay, cool. Um, I just wanted, but I could in, I wanted to be in your mind. sweep myself to the highlands. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, this idea, it's your point of view. And in order to understand the full perspective of where you're at, you have to, you know, you, you have to seek information. You have to take inventory. And so when we're thinking about in business, um, one of the things that we've talked at lengths about because it's really important to who we are is this idea of cross-discipline teams. Right. And we build digital products. We also give clients consulting and coaching around the idea of like how to work well within the context of building good software, web, mobile, desktop, whatever that looks like. So we're working at uh, building interfaces. We're building solutions that allow clients to solve problems, become more efficient, that's that sort of thing. And we do that in the context of cross-discipline teams. And we've talked quite a bit about that, what that does is that gives you a diverse perspective. So if you think about a team made up of only, that's the same, maybe they're all type A, they're all left brain, they're all designers, or they're all mm-hmm. developers, you have a very limited perspective because most often these individuals are gonna have the same education, um, they're going to look at if if they're all building in the same maybe framework or coding language, maybe they have the same, they build things in the same way. And so, yeah. so you're going to have a very limited perspective. It becomes it's an just, echo chamber, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're subject matter experts in their field, which is what you want. You do want people that are experts in their field. However, there are d- different points of view at the same problem because of the way people are wired and the skill sets they have. And so mm-hmm. let's let's take you and I, for example. I'm um, not a designer. Um, I'm creative in other ways, but I'm more creative in, in spreadsheets and, you know, maybe it's an art. It's a long, long-term planning or whatever that looks like. You know, my focus is a little bit more on uh, business management and projects. Yours is more from the framework of UX and the user experience and design and creativity. Mm-hmm. And so we can look at the exact same thing and relatively maybe came, come to the same conclusion or way, how to solve it. Sometimes yep. we're, you and I are both, we're on way separate pages and we have to work through that, which is fine. Oh, but for yeah, the those, most part, those are fun days. Those are fun days. <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, um, we'll be fairly similar, but we don't get to a solid aligned view 
until you are able to give your perspective uh-huh. and give mine. And then when we have it combined, we both can step back and be like, okay, this is much grander. Mm-hmm. This is much better now mm-hmm. that we've been able to combine those perspectives. And that's just two people. And I think that this podcast has been, um, has been a little bit of that journey. Um, oh, you just got coffee I got, delivered. I know I did. My wife's awesome. What's that? It was a special little moment in the podcast. It there. was a special little moment. It was nice. <laughs> um, so, anyways, yeah, perspective. It's it's a point of view. In order to get, and how many times have we heard cheesy things like different colors of the beach ball or oh, different yeah. facets of Wait, the no, diamond? Wait, no, 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 no. <laughs> that was your that was your analogy. That's me. That's me. I can get cheesy real At fast least- when it comes to analogies. I own it. I'm owning it right now. Oh, okay. Okay. But- I liked I liked mine of the the, <laughs> sen- the human the human body senses. That's good too. That's good too. You could use a car. Car has multiple, multiple parts that you all need in order yeah. for it to be a car. All right. All right. Anywho, whatever. Um, the point being is that you really don't get the full picture unless yeah. you are able to have a, a complete perspective and you're not going to get there on your own. Yeah. So maybe what we can take a little bit of time today is as we start thinking about the perspectives of our structures, our disciplines, and our postures. One of the difficult things to do is that sometimes you can't actually see what your own structures, disciplines, and postures are. Um, yeah. Because yeah. I think, you know, take take the last couple of weeks, it's forced us to have a global pandemic, a massive financial drop for hmm. us to see things that we would have never seen before. And we talked about that in a little bit in the last episode where we we would have never never thought this way had this not happened. Right. And so um, I think a couple things that maybe we can do is go through uh, when we think about structures, disciplines, and postures, how can we gain perspective mm-hmm. or how can we collect mm-hmm. um, or do inventory on each of those right. things? Um, we have a couple things that we, we've even mentioned on this podcast before, but a couple things that we thought we'd try to make it as practical as possible for you to have a few things to take away and go, mm-hmm. oh yeah, if, if I do, I could take this back to my team or I could even take it back to my, uh, my bedroom where I'm recording or where I'm doing my work and, and think about, oh, how might I apply that to my, my inventory, my, my taking inventory of kind of what's going on in my work and in my life. Right. Um, let's start with postures. Yeah, postures is in, in mindsets. So we do, and I think we talked about this before. I think I can share my screen. Let's try that. I'm going to throw throw um, a little bit of a, a curveball here because Tuck, who is our director of product management, shared out an even more complex feelings wield on steroids. Uh, did, you, <laughs> did you see that? No. Which 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 uh, part? What? I'll I'll share it here. Um, so if you're not, if you're just listening to us, we'll try to describe it because you might be listening on the podcast. But if you're watching on um, our recording, I assume. Oh yes, I did see this. This, this is awesome. You. Yep. Oh man, I'm surprised it doesn't give you anxiety because just the amount of words gives Look me a at all those feelings. So what is in front of us is a is a um, is a wheel, and the wheel has three sin. What's the words? Uh, three circles. Three concentric. Concentric. Thank you. Word just didn't come to me. Concentric circles, each having a kind of a hierarchy of from the middle out. So there is happy, sad, disgusted, angry, fearful, bad, and surprised is in the middle. And then as you go out from there, uh, sad has 
in it lonely vulnerable despair guilty depressed hurt and then if you take mm. guilty that has shamed and remorseful why'd i go to the negative one let's go to a positive one um <laughs> Happy. It's a bright yellow color. Happy has in it playful, content, interested, proud, accepted, powerful, peaceful, trusting, and optimistic. And if I took maybe uh, proud out of proud on the, on the outer ring, um, there is successful and confident. Mm -hmm. So what we'll do is you can pick any word, any layer of the ring. Um, most people choose either the second layer or the third layer, and you get to choose two. And the reason we do this is it gives our team the chance to say, this is how I'm kind of processing my world right now. And I think it best is uh, demonstrated or articulated in um, naming some emotions. The emotion isn't really the most important piece. The emotion is a way for us to communicate a state of being that then allows us to get to the root of, well, why do you feel that way? Mm -hmm. and it, that's when we get to structures and disciplines or things or activities or stuff that's going on that is affecting our posture. Right. So I think today in our leadership meeting, I said that I was grateful and, well, this is a little bit different chart, but I was grateful and confident, maybe? I think so. Something like that. Um, grateful and, and, and some other positive word. I was, I was in a good mood um, mm -hmm. and it was quite transparently because we had gotten news that we were moving forward with a, a client. And so there was, there was an optimism in the air and you could feel it across the team. Yep. Now, um, oftentimes what we'll, I'll hear when I talk to my growth team is I'll hear um, the, the two that get put together is I'm anxious and I'm excited. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually recently read an article about that being the same part of your brain. Uh, anxiousness and um, excitement is fired off in a similar part of the brain. And so that makes sense that they would be right next to each other because there's a certain sense of, um, of extremeness that is there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and you don't know if your body's saying, I need to protect myself or I need to experience something amazing. Right. And, um, but if we get to the root of it, it, a lot of times it's because they're excited about the potential of what we could do, but they're not sure how we're actually going to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so this, this, um, taking inventory over feelings. We do it at the beginning of, oh gosh, almost every meeting now. Mm -hmm. um, I actually, I have a, uh, a backlog grooming meeting, which is just like a going through and planning for the next sprint on our growth team. Mm -hmm. And um, Alexa, who's on my team, she's awesome. She, she always, she does this to me. Usually I'm the person leading the meeting. So I'm usually saying, okay, everybody, like, let's name our feelings. And she's like, hey, George, doing this backlog grooming meeting. How are you feeling? What's your two emotions right now? And I'm like, yes, you're throwing it back at me. It's great. <laughs> um, but it allows us to take that inventory of wh where's our mindset so right. that as we go start to do this planning, we now have a reason why. Because if we're filled with um, fear and anxiousness and insecurity, our decision-making is going to be much different if mm -hmm. we're filled with optimism and hopefulness and mm -hmm. curiosity. Yep. The thing, the decisions, the things we will do will be affected by how we're thinking. So yep. that's, a, this is a very, very easy way. And we'll, um, we can share this out. I think we've shared it before, but yeah, um, love it. So that's, that's a way maybe to take inventory of your postures and by, I'm, I'm going to just interrupt me here, but no, keep going. If, if while you're in a meeting, you're getting the perspectives of other people's postures you then start to understand why the decisions across the team are being made in the way that they are. Mm -hmm. So 
why is so-and-so falling behind in the work that they need to get done? Well, their posture, they talk about the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm, um, vulnerable and I'm embarrassed. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Then you can unpack the, you know, I made a mistake on this one thing and it's causing me from wanting to take a risk again. Oh, well, okay. Let's, let's name that failure and then move past it. And the team can understand that's the construct of which that person is, is maybe holding up rather than moving forward and flourishing. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think getting those perspectives will help you to better understand how your team is working together. Um, albeit I will say it takes at least two weeks in my opinion of doing this before the team's like, all right, I get it. I know it's coming. Right. Ask me what my feelings are. Why am I being asked how I feel right now? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel like the normal work thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, Would you add anything to that in the perspectives? Um, Or uh, excuse me on the postures. Well, I think, no, no, not on the feelings chart. No, yeah. it's a great exercise. We use it at home. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where it started for us too. Yeah, we, we, we actually have one that has faces on it for the kids. Um, and I'm like, well, I'm going to print out a feelings wheel for dad because dad <laughs> needs more <laughs> options here. <laughs> so, no, I love the feelings. Um, I love I the feelings. A, I love the feelings. I love the feelings chart, I should specify. <laughs> I think, um, so another way to, um, take inventory from, from a feedback, and this is more, you can definitely get feedback on multiple different levels, but from an individual standpoint, we're huge advocates and you can read it. And I, I, I would assume that most companies are just mentorship and coaching and sorry, I'm getting a lot of, Oh, here we go. Now it stopped. Sorry. Had something in here. A little some noise. A little, a there, little, is some, there is something in here, but I had yeah. something right here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the idea of mentorship and coaching. And uh, yeah. um, so very practical way, one-on-ones. We do that a lot. We, we get in, um, they're, they're fairly frequent and they're scheduled. And they're, we make, um, in my one-on-ones, it's um, the person who reports to me, it's their meeting and they're in charge of setting the agenda. And so we go over multiple different things. What, um, update me on anything you want to update me on? How are things going? How can I help you? Mm-hmm. That's just one very basic, um, mechanism. How long, how long are your one-on-ones? Mine go an hour. Um, okay. not, I'm, they I'm, don't I'm always. I'm like 30 to 45 minutes. So yeah. Yeah. Great. Sometimes they go 30. Sometimes we have to have a little bit of extra time, uh, depending on what's going on, but it's a great way to, to mentor and coach your, um, the people that report to you, the people that you're leading. I would also say from a, a mentorship standpoint is if you are a leader, you should also be seeking coaching and mm-hmm. mentorship, both not only within yourself as a professional, but also um, highly recommended from a personal standpoint as well. And so um, one thing I like to say is uh, for individuals that are close to me is like, you have an absolute hunting license into my life. So call me out. Um, yeah. yeah. Unpack the hunting license analogy. I'm trying to- I, I've heard it on a podcast one time, but it's basically like, who are those individuals that are close to you that has a, has a license to, to hunt a license to pry into mm. your life. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, you've basically given permission to, you know, give you the, the back slaps and the high fives for sure, but also the gut punch when you need it. And oh, it sucks, that is, but it's necessary. Isn't oh, it? it hurts, but it's a great way to take inventory. And it gives you, it's all about perspective because not only are you getting a perspective from the person that you're meeting with regularly, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. 
but you're also getting, you're reflecting on, oh my gosh, am I giving this posture to others? And if I am, now I can be empathetic to their perspective. And so now you're getting multiple perspectives and um, that can just be a great way to help you from a leadership standpoint is how is the way that I'm leading right now, the way I conduct these meetings, making other people, how are they receiving that? Because I may have a perspective that, oh man, I'm leading this meeting really well, but I'm getting blank faces or I'm getting faces or I'm getting head nods, but really no interaction. It's like, what's going on here? Right. Um, so it's a good way to get perspective on how others might be feeling while in a working relationship with you. So it's it again, it's I find that all of these inventory checks, no matter no matter if we're dealing with the the kind of postures or the disciplines or the structures or the feelings or the relationships, they all feel really uncomfortable at first. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think a theme for me, especially in the time right now, like with what's happening in the world is, uh, leaning in rather Mm -hmm. than, um, um, retreating back. Mm -hmm. And so I think that Dan, you're right on. I think that what's even more important with one-on-ones with our the people that we report to, or even with your peers. Um, mm-hmm. So you could be scheduling time to check in with those around you. Mm-hmm. Now that you're remote, that becomes almost even more important mm-hmm. um, to just to just ping, check in, um, take inventory of, right. hey, where are you at? How are you doing? What can I do to help you? What can I do to support you? Um, what's hard right now, um, et cetera. And right. I think, that the, but that takes, it takes being intentional. It takes being going, mm-hmm. I, I could just sit back I could very easily kind of check out yep. uh, and instead saying, this is important. This, this is um, how I'm going to make the people around me better and then probably make myself better in the process. Right. Absolutely. Uh, there's, n- there's never anything wrong seeking additional input because you're going to get a, a, a more um, complete perspective, mm-hmm. a complete point of view. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it never fails. Like I can be really sure about something. And then I ask for someone's opinion. I'm like, I did not see that. How, how did I not see that? And it's just, it's fascinating. Sometimes it can be very frustrating, but then at the, then it's almost awe inspiring of like, this is really incredible that someone can be wired that differently, that they see something and see something that I had no idea was even there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that speaks to not just asking for feedback from your peers and your coworkers, but also your clients. Mm, yeah, I think it's yeah. incredibly important to get their perspective because again, we've had moments and I've had conversations with other business owners that had moments where they thought they were serving well and they thought that they were just rocking out a project or the way they're, uh, were building the products and delivering them and come to find out that they weren't doing well at all or they were doing not as well. Yeah. It's, and it is worse to get blindsided than it is to ask and then get that information. Cause most of the time they're, they'll say, thank you for asking. I'm really glad you said that because here's where you guys are doing well. And then they do give you some level of improvement. Right. And so that is a much more natural and just pleasant conversation than to get blindsided because when you get blindsided, all you hear is bad. (laughs) All you hear is negative. You don't get the good. You don't get the affirmative. But if you are asked and seek it, they say, here's where you're doing well. You can give the good stuff to your, your team. Hey, client is very happy with this. Here's where we need to improve on. And it, and it allows for good conversation for growth and improvement. If you're in a space where you're in a B2B company, <clears throat> which we are basically, our, our, most of our clients are other businesses. Um, if you're in a space where you're B2B, one of the key, thing, key learnings that we had to learn the hard way, transparently, is 
is you can talk to your point of contacts, which are the people that are actually experiencing on a day-to-day basis, are a part of the team, and they're going to give you one perspective, which is, I feel good, I love I love the collaboration, or right. name it, yeah, I don't like the way they handled that. They're going to give you the day-to-day. It is important as well, if you can, to get access to their bosses or people that are around them. Mm-hmm, Maybe mm-hmm. even more so around people that might be making financial decisions. Um, towards the work that you're doing. right? What we found is we would have the ear and the trust and the collaboration of the point of contact, but come to find out that, that it wasn't being translated well up to their leader, what was being accomplished, what was um, the value of the investment of the work mm-hmm. that we were doing or the value of what we were doing in general. And so what ended up happening was um, we were blindsided transparently by a client that came back and said, we're done. And we thought, well, this, our, our check-ins have always been nothing but over the top positive. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it came to played out that the value translation, I don't think was getting back up to mm-hmm. the leadership to understand why are we investing this money? Why are we're not seeing an ROI because I'm not on the ground, you know, on the ground level working day in and day out of what, what was being accomplished. Right. And so they didn't have a perspective mm-hmm. of where the value was being achieved. And yep. all they saw was dollar, dollar for dollar return in a very short period of time rather than you know understanding it's a marathon, not a sprint. But that, again, that was a perspective. It was a valid perspective. It just was one that would, um, had we maybe been more mindful to check in mm-hmm. with the people um, around or above or right. between people, uh, we might have gotten that perspective sooner than once the the, the contract was um, cut loose. So. Right. It just goes to show the saying of it's a two way street or there's always two sides to a story. It so true. It it just it's all about perspective. It's like I did not see that side of it. I have that with my kids all the time. Some kid will rush in, be like, so and so did this. I'm like, oh, that that was rude. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's going to get a consequence. You go there and you hear his side and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Right. I didn't get the full side of the story here. <laughs> Happens daily, daily. Yeah. And, and I think it, there's something in their survival part of our brain that is just wanting to say, I want to give you what you need to, I need to, I need to convince you, uh-huh. you know, whatever. Um, and we all do it and it, it's understandable, but it, it takes that active intentionality to seek input and, and feedback, uh, creating a feedback loop. So again, for us, it's in the service. So really our service has to be checked in regularly. Mm -hmm. Is the service and the output of what we're doing bringing you value? Yep. Yes or no? How could it, you know, how can we optimize, et cetera? From a product perspective, it's understanding and getting feedback from the people that are using your product, right? Mm -hmm. So whether that is um, your, your users on your platform or the person that bought your product from the store or whatever, um, what do you think about our product? Is it still serving you well? How can it be mm-hmm. better, et cetera? Getting that perspective is, is what is key to driving your success. Um, right. You don't have it now. You don't know what your users think. Right. Um, I, I, I think That's Steve, really good. Steve Jobs is a little, a little bit of a savant for the fact that he would say, what was his quote? Something along the lines of, um, our customers don't know what they need until we show it to them. Right. Yeah. To be fair, I think where that perspective actually comes in, and I'm kind of rabbit trailing a little bit, so apologies. Yeah. I think that that actually is true 
because I think most people don't know what they want until they see it. Mm-hmm. It's same thing goes for, that's why we do such rapid prototyping and testing mm-hmm. is that we try to say, you know what, your customer can't imagine what, what the world is like yet that you live in, in your brain or in your, mm-hmm. your innovative mind. So what we're going to do is we're going to give them a little taste of it through a design prototype or through a, a functional prototype to show them what that right. world would look like and then start to build off of it. Um, that perspective collecting is, is, is difficult. Yep. Another one we talked about, and we talked about this early on this year, are retrospectives. Mm. Um, George, why don't you unpack that a little bit? The idea of like, what does it look like? And it can be used, we use it all the time. We use it for the most part in a certain instance, but really a retrospective is, I mean, you're asking key questions. And I think it's really the questions that you ask that make it a good retrospective. I think a retrospective is one of the most powerful tools for not only saying what have we accomplished, but how are we working together? Mm-hmm. And if we believe that the best work is done through cross-discipline teams, that means that those cross-discipline individuals need to work really, really well together. Mm-hmm. And if companies would spend more time leaning into working better, I think that they would produce better products and services. And so when we think about a retrospective, it's one of the most powerful tools to say, let's look back at this most recent bit of time that we just experienced. It might be a sprint, which for us is about two weeks. It could be a, a couple of days. It could be a month's worth of work, whatever that might be. It might be a whole project. And let's retro on it. And that retrospective really comes down to a few questions that kind of can get at the base level of a retrospective, which is uh, what went well? Mm-hmm. So let's start with the positive. What did we accomplish? Um, there's got to be something good that came out of this. Even if I'm totally pissed off about how it actually turned out, what do we actually get done? Well, we did write a lot of code. We did get some good feedback from users, um, et cetera. But um, so what went well? So start with the positive. What didn't go well? So address. This mm-hmm. is a safe space. A retrospective is a safe space to address what didn't go well. Um, I expected to get something from you and I didn't, you never followed through. Mm-hmm. Um, now there might be a perspective as to why that didn't happen. Um, but, um, it's a, it's a way to just give ourselves a safe space or space where we can address the, um, what, what didn't get done or what, what didn't go as well. Where did we not work well together? Right. Uh, and then the third thing is, um, what are blockers or what are thing, tasks that we can do? What's something that we can change to move ourselves forward? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you get, again, what went well, what didn't go well, and what decisions are we going to make to make right. it better next, next sprint? That's the basis. You can ask lots of other questions to mix that up and make it um, more or less useful. But um, that's the basis of it. I've heard people say it feels like, again, it's a discipline. Once you start doing it, at first it feels like a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And many people give up on it way too early, but right. if you get in a rhythm where you say, no, I really do value because I know that I could just sit here and be frustrated or I could wait until Friday where we're going to do a retrospective. Cause I know there's a safe space where I can talk about this. Yep. yep. Right. And, yep. and knowing that's coming up allows you to kind of let it go for a second, address it in the meeting and go, okay, now how do we trust each other to move forward together better? Mm. Yeah. It's been one of our, it's one of the best tools we've implemented. Mm. From a meeting standpoint, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, one other one that we've recently done uh, in the last month or so, um, and this kind of goes to an audit. And really an audit is just like, I mean, you're taking an in-depth look at what you do. You're, and this was more of a process audit. So we we were asking ourselves the question, what are the, you know, the four to nine 
um, key processes that drive your oh, company. Yeah. And we, when you started saying four to nine, I literally had no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> then it came around to, it's okay. to pro- <laughs> yeah, that's right. um, and we just had a brainstorming session and we generated a ton of sticky notes, but we were able to dwindle down our processes to, yes, these are, we landed on eight of these are the processes that are key to driving our business. Yeah. And from that, and one of the reasons we were doing that is because we've been talking a lot about scaling up lately. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a desire to scale up Crema in the next three to five years. And part of that is to understand um, from an operations standpoint and a people standpoint, what are your key processes? Who's accountable and how are you measuring how successful these processes are? Well, in order to get there, you first have to know what processes you have and, and you have to name which ones are key. So we did right. that and we landed on eight. And now the next step is to unpack each one of those processes, which I think will take some time oh, yeah. because a lot of them are big and they're long, and they're complex, but, yeah. but it's taking inventory. It's taking inventory of what that process currently looks like, who's involved and where can we be more efficient? Are there steps we can skip or can we use any sort of uh, software um, as a service or any technical solutions to be more, even more efficient in an area, and then de- and then deciding on who's the one person accountable to make sure that that process is continually monitored and and managed well. And so that's just one type of audit. I mean, you can audit really anything in your company. True. How are we, you know, uh, how well are we doing in our sales cycle? I mean, if you are measuring your sales cycle, you're doing an audit. I mean, you really, you really are. You're trying to figure out how long or from the moment a lead comes in and you sign a contract, you're measuring really what that is. Mm-hmm. And you're taking inventory of like, okay, if we want to shrink it by, I don't know, five days, what's that going to mm-hmm. take? Mm-hmm. And so you're really, again, audits are a great way. Um, that sounds like a big term, you know. People, I know. I don't love the word audit, but I know what you I mean. I know. Yeah. Accounting firms have, you know, auditors um, and you definitely don't want to be audited. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that you're really just taking an in-depth, detailed um, look and just, you know, scrutinizing your process just so you can make it better. So I think one, maybe one thing that we should even think about as we're practicing what we preach with our, our framework is as, and I think processes is a really good way to, to look at your disciplines, right? Mm-hmm. So what are the things that we're doing on a regular basis? Um, and how can we, again, either optimize them or change them or remove them or add to them or um, figure out how effective those things are? Um, I think there's two sides of this. There's probably more than two, but we'll go with two for now. <laughs> there, there's two sides of this that you need to focus in on taking inventory of your disciplines and your postures. Um, we'll start stick with those two for right now internally and then externally, Mm. right? So that is a good example of where we were looking internally at ourselves to say, what are we doing from a operational standpoint where we are taking inventory of things inside us? Um, so another good one is we just recently took inventory of what is the core definition of the, the, the purpose the values and the competency of crema. Mm-hmm. What is the core of crema? We're defining that yet again, right? But it's because we're taking inventory to make sure it's still an accurate and still a differentiated statement for us today. Right. That's internal. But then when we go to put that information or that, that content or those, those assets out to the world through growth, uh, for our growth channels, through our marketing, through our sales, then we'll be able to take inventory as to how People are responding to that. Right. What, what's the perspective? Is this differentiating for you? Is it bring value to you? 
does it get customers to sign, you know, et cetera. And so you can take inventory on those, but you're still looking for the same things, which is what's mm-hmm. the mindset of my customer or potential mm-hmm. customer? What are the, the routines and the things that have, they have going on in their normal daily life that we need to be aware of, that we can affect or be a part of or make better or remove or whatever, optimizing their life, making it um, hopefully better so they can thrive. And the same thing goes inside. What are the mindsets right. of our team members and what are the, the disciplines or the things that we're doing to make us better so that we can thrive, right? right? Um, yeah. But that inventory t- tracking is... Um, it's pretty important. It's, 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 it is annoying to do. <laughs> I'll just say yeah. it now. Let's just name it. It's hard to be intentional about doing it. But as you do it, I think the companies that do that more often, mm-hmm. um, when, you, when you watch and you go, man, they're just firing all cylinders. How is that possible? It's, yeah. because, it's because they're checking themselves. It didn't come. Right. They didn't do everything right the first no. time. Right. Yeah, they're putting a lot of effort into it. It makes me think of... Uh... Oh, that movie, A Knight's Tale, where it says, you've been weighed, you've been measured, and you've been found wanting. Such a good movie. Yeah, Yeah, it just makes me think like, okay, let's weigh ourselves, let's measure ourselves, and let's, if we are found, if we've been found that we are wanting, um, how do we fix it? How do we take more accurate Mm -hmm. inventory and make those changes to give ourselves a a more accurate perspective and just become better? That way, the next time we measure and weigh ourselves, maybe we'll, we'll still always be wanting, but maybe just a little bit less. So true. And I, and I, I think there's, I don't know, you can do it on a bunch of different places. Um, I think it's about making a decision of the areas that are going to be key to moving your organization or your team or yourself forward. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and then really leaning into those things because you can almost get overwhelmed by how much, how much, how complex any system is. Oh yeah. And how much there is to take inventory of. So it is, it is a decision-making process to prioritize what you ought to, to collect. Right. Uh, so I want to pivot just to the last part of this. What do you think, um, how, how might you take inventory of your structures? Hmm. That's a harder one, I think. Um, so as we think about structures, these are things that are fairly, you don't want to say 100% set in stone, but well, you want to say they're fairly. They're all fairly, of our structures just got changed two weeks ago. So yeah. Yeah. yeah they're fairly solidified. And I think. It's interesting. I think what's the one thing that's lasted for them that hasn't really gone, um, I don't, I don't want to say haywire, but it, that really is, has held true, um, is our culture. And I think our culture, mm-hmm. um, it is a structure. It's a, it's really a wonderful amalgamation of both structure disciplines and posture to right. be quite honest. Right. Um, now, during this time, you have to really, I mean, we've had to look at, you know, our policies, do our policies still hold true in a fully remote, you know, environment? And some of them, almost all of them, yes, because we've been thinking remote first yeah. for a while. Yeah. But there's a lot of companies that these structures don't exist anymore. So they've had to done, they've, I can't imagine the amount of um, reflection and taking inventory of structures that a lot of bigger companies have because, you know, for the most Hard part, most season. employees don't, um, have laptops that they take home and are able to work. You know, they right. have desktops that are then monitored by, you know, a centralized, you know, IT division. And in order to get access to those servers, they have to VPN. And so they are yeah, taking people talking about right not now. being able to check their email. And I just, I can't even imagine yeah. not being able yeah. to check my email from home. We've always had it that way, but yeah. at a large corporation, can you imagine? You yeah. Know? So one thing, 
maybe a good question to ask, depending on what kind of company you are, is now we are forced to take inventory of our structures. Hmm. As we find some that we kind of have to bend or break because of this new remote environment, do we have to put them back when we return to our office? Meaning maybe hmm. this is a way to trim. Maybe this is a way to either create new policy, adjust policy, or even do away with ones that don't even make sense anymore. Cause a lot of, if you were to look through your handbook every five years and thinking, why do we have that in there? That makes oh, no gosh. sense anymore, you know? Um, which means that a regular disciplined routine view of your handbook should be happening. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, but maybe you haven't and it's slipped and, you know, it goes, it's like, some, you know, it's a stack of bills and you have one that now is on the bottom and the, you know, someone calls and like, why didn't you pay that? And like, Oh, because I forgot it was there. Uh, <laughs> Guilty. Done that. Um, so maybe it's time to look at your current structures, but also look at ones that are there um, that maybe don't need to be there anymore. Um, so maybe those are meetings too. You know, mm -hmm. maybe you have some meetings that are disciplines, but some, certain meetings can become structures because it's like, it's always been that way. We've always had it. We're going to continue to have it. It's like, well, do we really need it? Is, mm -hmm. Or do we need to change the way it is? And so I think this time is going to cause us to take inventory of those structures and maybe not even return to them. You know, maybe it'll be a time of really trimming. I, I that. You know me. I like change uh, to some extent, and so that it gets me excited. Not, I mean, maybe for for ourselves and for our potential clients as well. But like, that forces people to think differently, and that's right. That's, I think we've, in general, I feel like the world, the business world, the product, the technology world, slowed down the thinking differently because mm -hmm. things got so micro optimized. Mm -hmm. I was talking to uh, a peer who owns an agency that's more in the, the hardware space. And he was saying, George, the, the co every company had so fine-tuned themselves, mm -hmm. which is what we're talking about doing. We are talking about fine-tuning themselves, that, that it got to the point where it was just such minor tunements now that anything that jostled them, actually just all the cards fell down. Right. And because they forgot how to make those big like, gut-wrenching changes that sometimes need to push you forward. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that this is, this is a good one. I think you're right on that. That's a great way. Your, your, your handbook is probably the best place to go. I need to look back at our policies. I need to look back at what defines us as an organization, as a team, mm -hmm. as an, as my individual uh, contributor. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of those things that could be just ripped out a whole page that could be ripped out now because yep. we had to, yeah. Um, and will that stick going back or will people go, nope, we're back and it's always, it's always been this way and we're going to go back to being right. it. No, I, I think, think we'll be to that. Yeah. I think we'll find ways to areas is like, this needs to be more fine tuned. And then areas that we're fine tuned, it's like, you know, maybe we need to hold that a little bit more loosely. Yeah. Yeah. I think the one thing I do miss the most is, is definitely being in the office, just seeing people like, mm -hmm. you know, um, I went in, over the break before the, the full quarantine. And I was just in the space and it was kind of like, I was sitting, sitting at my desk and looking around going, I do miss the kind of like eye shots across the room where, you know, the inside jokes or the little moments where there was the cultural space that we we're in. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how that will be different when we get back. Um, yeah. Um, if we get back, we'll see. Yeah. Um, but I think that's something that is, uh, interesting because some of that became structural, right? It was about the space we were in. Totally. Yep. Literally the structural space we were in. So 
So hopefully this is um, this has been helpful. I know we just named yeah. a few few different ways that you can collect, uh, take inventory of your structures, your disciplines, and your postures, seeking perspective from your team, from mentors, from your customers. Um, this is really, I think, the companies that survive and do great work are the ones that adapt to those feedback loops, the ones right. that adapt to a changing world. Yep. And um, I think that's, that's, the, that's truly at the heart of the message of what we're trying to say about this whole structures, disciplines, and postures thing is, are you prepared to, a world, prepared to adapt to a world that's changing? Mm-hmm. You probably got forced to do it recently, yep. but um, will you make that a norm now? Right. that you're ready to innovate and to keep moving your yourself and your your team forward. And hopefully this is encouraging to you and I think any if there's any time now is the time to just continue mutual encouragement in whatever way mm. shape or form with your clients with your team um any way to to build up and just say even if it was a handwritten note that you send you know in the actual mail yep. to a client or a coworker that just says, "Hey, I was thinking of you today. You're awesome." Mm-hmm. Keep being awesome. Mm-hmm. Sincerely, your name. I mean, honestly, that would just brighten, I think, anyone's day. So let's continue to do that. Let's, uh, let's go above and beyond to, to help individuals and, and teams thrive. Yep. Well, Dan, we made it to another end of another episode. We did. Of the, the option continues to just shine in. You guys weren't, are not watching this on YouTube. You should because I have a room. Dan has a room and you could see it. <laughs> so it was like it was gonna be good but then i just i just uh thank you guys so much for listening to this um we really are enjoying the conversation it dan you and i getting a chance to sit down and talk like this has been hmm. um it's been really encouraging to me and i hope it i hope other people are encouraged by it uh as we're processing the world that we're we have around us but then also making some sense of it to to help us to thrive hmm. um I, that's, that's, that's what I love about doing this. So hopefully, hopefully our listeners get that, that experience with us. Um, if you have not yet subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, on, um, Quickcast, on Spotify, all the other places that podcasts are distributed. Uh, we do put it up on our option five, um, YouTube channel. It has its own YouTube channel. There is a Crema YouTube channel, which we just passed, passed 10,000 subscribers. Pretty excited about that. Uh, option five, on the other hand, I think has 23 subscribers. So we need to grow that. So get on there, subscribe to that, um, that YouTube channel. And then we're doing probably every other episode we're going to go live or maybe every episode we'll go live. We'll, um, I'm not sure. Uh, we're still learning on how to do that. So be patient with us. If you, if you see us attempting to go live and you see how messy it is, just hold your horses. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be published. It'll be published to the podcast or to the uh, um, the channel in the next couple of weeks. So uh, we do publish these every Monday. So we're excited to get this out. Um, and if you haven't already, share it with your friends. Share it with your peers. They're at home right now. They got yeah. time, you know. <laughs> so captive uh, audience. That's right. We're we're banking on that right now. So, uh, but thank you guys for listening, and hopefully um, this is encouraging you to um, to do better work maybe the best work of your life right now. Cheers. Wow. Goodbye, Dan. Goodbye, George. (laughs) My name is Ashley Holbrook. I'm a test engineer at CRIMA. I do all kinds of testing. 
exploratory, functional, and when it's time to release, regression testing. One goal I have at the top of my mind at all times is how I can help deliver the best product and user experience possible. I do this by thinking about the app as a user would, using the app like a user would, and advocating for our users. I work with designers, developers, and product managers on a day-to-day -day basis to test and verify requirements. We work together to deliver quickly and effectively an exceptional digital product. I enjoy working at Crema because George and Dan created a company they wanted to work for, and it shows. Crema supports me in whatever direction I want to learn or grow in. Through support, respect, and understanding, I believe they want me to be the best version of myself. Option 5 is a podcast by Crema, a digital product agency that creates web and mobile apps for disruptive companies and industry leaders. We believe that design, technology, and culture can help create a world where individuals and companies thrive. Learn more at crema.us.